0: Welcome to Balance Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning in to Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les, I am your host, and I appreciate you tuning in today. So we are currently in our Reframing the Reset series, which is a series that I'm hosting all about approaching this new year, new you in a way that feels relevant for where we are. A lot of talk around New Year's resolutions and fitness and wellness in the new year, honestly didn't really work before, but now in this pandemic that we're still in and the new normal that we find ourselves in, it feels even less relevant now. And while the new year can be a really powerful time to reset habits and set intentions, I really want to do it in a way that feels gentle and supportive and meaningful because we need support. We need gentle. We need grace with ourselves and one another. And one of the most important elements of wellness and what really tends to get people in the door is the physical aspect. It is movement. I mean, movement kind of is the gateway for so many things. I know for me, movement was the gateway into the wellness space. And for so many people who then go on to do other things or who get into personal development or so many other areas, a lot of their journeys start with fitness. And as I looked at doing an episode about fitness on the podcast, specifically for this series, I wanted to make sure that we were talking about movement in a way that felt inviting and welcoming. And as I thought about reframing the reset and what I wanted to reframe when it came to exercise was a lot of the messaging that we've gotten about exercise and some of the negative stigmas and relationships that a lot of us have with exercise due to Previous experiences, and today's guest is the perfect person to talk. To about that. Our guest today is Lauren Level, who is a certified personal trainer and group fitness instructor based in Philadelphia. She approaches fitness from a body positive and weight neutral stance to help her clients connect with their bodies and fall in love with movement. I am such a fan of Lauren and her work and how she shows up, the amazing boundaries that she has, and the way that she runs her business and has created space for herself in the fitness industry in such an authentic and honest and meaningful way. So when she's not training, folks, Lauren spends time taking walks. You know, we love walks around here. She loves cats (laughs) and moving her house plants to different spots in the house. She's also a lover of astrology, personality quizzes, and those fun reality TV shows. So, you know, Sounds like we all have a lot in common already. I really love this conversation with Lauren, getting to hear more about her journey and her approach and how she leads others through their fitness journeys in a way that feels welcoming and that meets people where they are at. Lauren is an incredible trainer. She also has a really beautiful online fitness membership where she teaches live classes, she has on demand classes. We talk a bit about that in this episode, and it's also linked in the show notes. So if you are interested, if you're looking for a welcoming space to join for some support around movement, I highly recommend checking out her membership. All right, let's get into this conversation about reframing our relationship with movement with Lauren Level. We're recording. Um, So yeah, you are also like a big personal finance money person to like, Jane yes. of all
1: traits. I, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a true Sagittarius in that way. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, money has always, like, I, I definitely am carrying like a lot of financial baggage, um, myself, but I think that talking about money is exciting for me. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think that shifting that, like, I think that I can kind of transmute that energy because a lot of people come to me to talk about money because they feel like they can't talk to anybody else about it. Um, because I'm honest with them and I'm like, Hey, like that, you know, that doesn't seem like the right next thing to do. Or I'm like, I don't know, go for, it, (laughs) you know, like, I just, I feel like I come at them with, with genuine honesty or whatever. And so they're comfortable sharing it with me. I have a couple of friends looking for jobs and they keep telling me like, how much their potential salaries are. And I don't necessarily think a lot of us grew up talking about money in that way and just being like, hey, should I leverage this job against this job? And I'm like, yes,
0: no, <laughs> Shoot. for sure. Those conversations are so important. I feel like growing up for me, it was just get a job, stay there, like get anything and be glad you have it and don't ever mess it up.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that was a big thing when I left like a stable job, like a stable career was like, basically I'm throwing away my college degree that I'm not using anymore because I'm leaving that job. And, and how am I ever going to get another job or like insurance or retirement or all those things. And I think it's just, there was a lot of like fear. And also there was a more consistent market and everything when Our parents were doing this kind of stuff. I have an aunt who like started in a mailroom and finished in like a suite. Like she has like the whole transformation and that's just not happening for like millennials
0: and everybody else around. The trajectory is so different than it was back then. Yeah.
1: We literally have to quit to get a better (laughs) job. Like, yeah, I guess I'll leave to get a raise because that's like what the market does
0: for us now. Pretty much. I that sounds like my current life predicament.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's happened to a lot of people. And I I, I've even seen it through, you know, the last couple of years since since the pandemic began. Like I've seen people hop jobs and that's such a big like no-no to the older generation. And we're just like, yo, we gotta survive. Like we gotta we have these degrees that you sold us. Like we're gonna use them and
0: we're gonna figure out how to leverage them. Totally. And I also think that company loyalty is just totally different than it was back in the day. So when I left college, I worked at Boeing for five years and I feel like Boeing is the ultimate, like people go, they stayed for their whole careers. They're super loyal. It's like a family. I literally left Boeing because all my friends retired because all my friends were 65 plus. Yeah. I have another family member who worked there. (laughs) Right. And so that was like my first five years of my career was very much that. And then I looked at all my peers who are working at other companies who are just bopping around and getting promoted and doing all these things. And I was like, oh, I guess I could do other things too. I don't have to stay in this one spot for 30 years.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I think that that was definitely a version, if you want to talk about an eye roll, the American dream, but that was a version for a lot of people was finding a place that they could stay. And sustaining themselves off of that. And and I don't necessarily think that that was wrong for them. I think that, I mean, I look at my my family member and I'm like, wow, like she did it. She did that and like was super respected and was given those opportunities. But that's not always the case now. And I feel like especially with the market and so many college grads, they're just looking for the next person that they could pay the least. Um, And if that's
0: not you, then you have to go somewhere else. Real talk, real talk. And kind of on the flip side, I do think that for those of us who are a bit younger or still earlier in our careers, we also have a lot of cool opportunities to create stuff that our parents' generation never did. And I think that's why they don't understand the type of work that we do because they just, they didn't have that option to just create a platform or create a career in the same way. And mm-hmm. that's also on the flip side, even though companies are definitely treating us worse, we have so much more potential to create what we want to see, which can be exciting.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that this time is is part of a, a new version of the wild, wild west for sure. <laughs> like, I think that a lot of folks that I know have gone from a situation that would be considered more stable into something that would be considered like, you know a uh, parents worst nightmare you're doing your hobby you're doing you know all of those mm-hmm. things and they're making it work because they're filling in spaces that haven't been like really like brought to light they haven't been done before even if it's just one per- you know like a weird thing like a black a- plus size bar teacher. (laughs) Like, okay. Like that's a very weird niche to have, but here I am.
0: (laughs) But it's also awesome. So yeah, let's talk about the amazing work you do and the space you occupy in fitness, because I'm super excited to have you here. First of all, fan girl moment. I just appreciate you and your work and the way you show up so much. So I would love to talk about how you got into the fitness space, both personally, your personal fitness journey and how that started. And then also professionally. Yes. Um, okay.
1: So I love to tell people I was like the kid who was really trying to be like, I have a headache every day for PE. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't like PE. It was because I was so self-conscious and I still do. I like, I'm still a very, Modest person, and I think that that's really funny to say for people who have created an idea of who I am on the internet and like all of that. But I'm I'm really still like don't want to be perceived. Like masks were a great thing for me because I'm like, oh, more of my body I can hide. Um, And it's not for not loving my body. It's just like I'm super introverted, and it takes a lot of energy out of me to show up in certain ways. So even as like a seventh grader, you know, I was just like, oh, change my clothes, chat to these people, play a team sport. Like what? No, <laughs> this is horrible. So I needless to say, did not do a lot of fitness growing up. Um, and that's okay because I came from a super not fitness oriented, like family. Like <laughs> Everyone was like, okay, like, I don't think of my, um, some of my family members are coordinated enough to do a jumping jack. And like, that's no shade. Like I truly just mean we are not, (laughs) we are not built for this. Um, And so, yeah, that, that was like my whole childhood growing up. And then early years of community college, I had a close friend who started working out. So I started working out with her because I was like, why not? We're 18 years old. (laughs) Let's go to the gym. And for a while, definitely that was paired with a lot of unhealthy habits. And, um, I talk about that, but I don't want to linger on that because working out has never been like a negative thing for me, actually. Like it's always been something that I really, really, really love. Once I started it, um, I haven't stopped. I've changed the way I work out. I've changed the way I view myself while I'm working out, but I haven't ever stopped and been like, I don't want to do this anymore. So in that way, I feel very lucky and happy with it. Um, cause I love moving my body in different ways. And so that kind of led me to a space where I was like, all right, I'm healing from a lot of things. I'm becoming a, a different like version of myself working out for different reasons. And I don't really have anyone to turn to because I kind of feel like every other source is still stuck in like a really unhealthy um, state of mind when it comes to working out, like all of those, you know, earn to burn kind of situations and like burn to earn. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like all of those situations where it's just always like marketed as a means to an end. Like you work out because you want this thing and not because of how it makes you feel or the way, you know, I don't know, I guess just how it makes it, how it makes you feel. And I felt so great. And I wanted to share that with other people who maybe had been turned off by the idea of doing it or like me, were like the kids in PE who are avoiding everything or like not coordinated and all of those things. And I wanted all of those people to have something to do and feel as good as I felt. So that's what got me here.
0: That's so beautiful though. And I appreciate what you said about acknowledging some of the experiences you had being in the fitness and in the wellness space where it was like, okay, maybe that wasn't the healthiest tendency, but not Letting that dictate the narrative of your relationship with fitness and still being able to see it for what it is and enjoyment of movement as a practice without necessarily being uh, solely influenced by the other factors in your whole journey.
1: yeah, i I honestly do feel like it's it's not that's not the case for everyone. And I do work with a lot of those people who are returning mm-hmm. to movement after a long time away because they needed to remove themselves. From that space to heal and to feel like they could move in a way that served their current needs, and um, so I am very, I'm very familiar with it, and I'm very understanding, and I'm so happy that my movement practice has been able
0: to evolve with me through my journey. One hundred percent. And I love that you also mentioned the work that you do with people who are still in that space of healing and coming back to movement and improving or reframing their relationship with movement, because fitness can be really triggering for a lot of people. And I used to be a personal trainer and I remember hearing a lot of stories from people about PE or about early (laughs) sports, where it was like, those are pivotal moments that really can impact people for a very long time. So if someone has maybe been out of movement for a while, especially with the pandemic, it's been so hard. And they're wanting to get back into it, but want to do so in a way that's not, um, I don't know if I want to use the word triggering because that's uh, I I feel like I've used it enough, but they they want to come at exercise from a better space. How do you recommend they start improving their relationship with it?
1: I think it would be the same recommendation that I would give to any beginner, which would be like pick a thing and do the thing and like, don't dwell on your performance. I think returning is almost a little bit more difficult than just being a beginner for the reasons that you're constantly comparing yourself to the version of yourself that was doing this before. So a lot of my advice also circulates around the fact that like, if you were doing this one thing, if you were, oh, let's say it was the treadmill because I don't really like a treadmill anyway. So I will, I will, you know, Talk down about a treadmill any day.
0: Um, (laughs) This is a safe treadmill slander zone.
1: (laughs) Yes, let's do it. So, let's say you were one of those people who are like, that's what you did. You 45 minutes, you woke up at 5 a.m. and you did 45 minutes of cardio on this treadmill and it was like go hard every single time. And then getting back into it, you get on this treadmill and you're not doing the numbers that you did in 45 minutes or you can't make it to 45 minutes. There's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of shame around that. And I think that one of my suggestions would be like, do you want to do a stationary bike instead? Like, why don't we switch it up? Why don't we move to something that wasn't really like, it's not ingrained in you. It's not this old story, this old narrative about your workouts and your movements. And then maybe one day you'll get back on the treadmill with a different point of view and know that you could safely be on there for four minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. And and just be on there for the reasons that you want to. Um, so yeah, getting back into it, I would say also not setting these lofty goals of like, oh, I'm getting back into fitness and I'm going five days a week. Like that's great. And it's a great suggestion, but most weeks it's not going to happen for you. If you're a, a, a normal everyday person who has a full-time job, you have a partner, you have, you know a cat even (laughs) like, you know, things happen. Like (laughs) you don't have, it doesn't even have to be that it can be, it can be anything. You can hit traffic and have a horrible day and just like not feel like going and holding yourself to that standard of, I must go all the time, just starts slowly like taking the fun out of this. And that's really where you get in that rut and you, you start like shying away from it entirely again. Cause I've definitely been there where I'm like, it's either six days or it's no days. And like the sixth day won't happen. So then the no days starts. Um, and I think that we do a lot of like counting and I just don't think that it needs to count for anything. It could just be because you want to go.
0: That's so helpful. Just the idea of removing expectation and, getting in a new setting, it sounds like can go a long way.
1: Totally. I mean, we all know that. I think we all do that to ourselves. Like it's even for silly stuff sometimes. Like I'm going to read five more pages of this book before I close it and go to sleep. Like you are falling asleep. Just close the book. Like, please stop. Right. Um, go to bed. It's okay. Right. Like this is not, we're not doing the hundred book challenge right now. Please go to sleep. <laughs> um, so I think it's very natural for people to want to do that, to want to have some kind of goal or metric like that. I'm a very goal oriented person. But can you start realistically with your goals and can the goal be, I'm going to go to this class one time a week, or I'm going to, you know, go walk with a friend once a week or pairing it with something that you're already doing. So it doesn't feel like such a heavy lift, no pun
0: intended. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what I was just thinking as you were saying that is that we, especially when it comes to fitness can get very hung up on. Quantitative goals, but we're qualitative beings. And Mm -hmm. sometimes those things just like do not mix.
1: Yeah. It just, and that's when it, that's when it just becomes like so unpleasant, I feel like, for a lot of folks, where you're just like, I'm doing all the things. (laughs) And you just see the life draining out of this person's face. Like they're not happy. So you're doing all the things, but you're not really reaping the benefits of them because the benefits like they're, you're not a machine. So you don't get the benefits from that data and those numbers. Like you get benefits from, like you said, the qualitative things, like feeling better in your body. And if you're going so hard that your body isn't feeling better,
0: where, what are the benefits? Right. That is real talk. Cause I've been that person on the treadmill at five in the morning, yeah. absolutely hating my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Hating it.
0: And it's like, for what? Right. For you to get off and have
1: this moment of feeling like you're better than someone who slept in and, or be- better than a version of yourself that slept in. And you're really not, <laughs> you're not. Sure
0: aren't. As someone who sleeps a lot more now, I can I can tell you, I feel a whole lot better. All right,
1: like you're coming into your relationships as a better person. You're well rested. You're well fed. You're like, you know, you're moving in a way that feels comfortable and and really supports your lifestyle. And I think that that piece gets so lost. I I also definitely think it has to do with age and and things that are going on in a person's life that can cause that to be just
0: like a little reaching for a little bit of control. Oh, I mean, let's talk about that. (laughs) Cause I know I've been there when I think about the times when my relationship with fitness and my body were the unhealthiest, it was because I was either super miserable or just feeling really lost in my career, feeling really stuck, unhappy in my relationships. And so that was just something that it felt like I had free reign over. So I went all in on those things. Um, I'm yeah. curious if you've had experiences like that.
1: Yeah, I definitely am that experience. Uh, we talked a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> we talked a little bit about I'm, I'm that personified about the money thing. But like, I, I am definitely someone who I, I don't think that a lot of people would view fitness as a vice, but it was for me
0: and oh, yeah. like it's or- a celebrated vice because i think of the a lot of the fat phobia that we have in our society yeah. and the behaviors that we praise i think a lot of people have that problem but it's celebrated absolutely so where i'm i'm saying like fitness i guess w- what
1: we call wellness because it was the whole thing right it mm-hmm. was it was what i was putting on my plate it was what i was you know what i was consuming even media wise, like the narratives that I was choosing to consume and choosing to ignore um, (laughs) and like the things that I was engaging with, with my body. So that was something that I was totally, totally like white knuckling and trying to control because things just felt out of control for me. And it felt like a factor that I could control. And I was just really unhappy to be honest, I was unhappy. I was, uh, I didn't know who I was, which I don't think is abnormal for someone in their like late teens and early twenties to not know who they are. Um, I mean, shout out to anybody who still doesn't know who they are. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but like, I was definitely, I was kind of like just spinning. And so this was the thing that I like dug into and chose to fixate on. And, Like I said, I was able to loosen my grip and change my relationship with it, but it wasn't easy and it wasn't like necessarily seamless. (laughs) And, and I think that we all do that with little things. And like, again, with the money thing, like I definitely fixated on that when I was getting out of college and had a ton of student loan debt and just felt like I needed to tunnel vision through all of that, get a job that I wasn't necessarily happy
0: with to get through it. Oh my gosh. I think everything that you just said is so relatable to me and probably to a lot of people listening. So thank you for that honesty.
1: You're welcome. Yeah. It's a, it's a story that I've told and heard before. So Mm -hmm. I, I know that we're not alone in that, Way And so I think that it's important. It is important to talk about, especially when it comes to, again, growing up and reframing your relationship with these things, money,
0: fitness, whatever it is. Oh, 100%. And also realizing that you're not alone and going through it. Because sometimes when you're in it, it can feel really isolating. And talking to other people who have had similar experiences can help you realize, okay, it's not just me or I'm not, I'm not losing it. I'm not yeah. wandering out here aimlessly. This is actually a very common thing and we can get through it together.
1: Absolutely and I see I see it still, you know, on social media. You know me, I'm scrolling the TikTok and <laughs> I love your I, TikTok by the way. <laughs> thank you. I just kind of feel like like someone's old auntie where I'm just like <laughs> oh, well, okay. In 10 years, this will all work itself out, you know? Um, and I'm sure people looked at me that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm here. I'm like, okay, Hey, (laughs) Hey, I'm back. (laughs) Sorry for that (laughs) short detour (laughs) to hell. Um, (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for holding space for me. And I think that that's like where, where I am right now. Um, we talk about like wellness and fitness and how a lot of it is so toxic. And a lot of people don't know, they don't know that they're in a toxic relationship. They don't know that they're consuming things that are harmful. They just think that they're doing the right thing. And cause like you said, it's praised and it's very, you know, it's very open. It's very public. Like, like how can it be so bad if we're always talking about it and it's always a thing. Um, But I, yeah, I just have to hold space for those people and hope that they
0: find their way to something that's a little more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've appreciated so much about getting older is just that feeling of kind of loosening the grip. We've talked about loosening the grip when it comes to fitness and wellness habits, but just as you kind of loosen the grip about everything, that's why when you talk to your grandparents or the older people, they give no fucks. Yeah. My grandma is wild. Yes. The looser the grip is, and it's, it's, I can feel my own grip loosening, not quite to like the grandma status yet, but I'm sure when I'm at that point, it's also will be wild but it's also like a really beautiful to get to that point
1: yes I have a grandma who is in her 80s and um the amount of time she's like well that's your problem now I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> what and it's like about generational trauma I'm like okay oh my god <laughs> she's like "What?" Well. Um, yeah. She's like, I'm not going to address it. Yeah, I'm Like, okay, here we are. Um, yeah. But like, I think it's just funny engaging with her because I'm like, yeah, you know, imagine when I'm your age because I'm this bad now, imagine how bad it's going to be. Cause she says all the time, like as she's gotten older, certain things she's just less self-conscious about. She's less, you know, concerned about, um, I'm like, uh-oh, I'm not super concerned about a lot right now. And I've got many <laughs> more years to catch up to you. Uh, but I think that that's true. And and even reflecting and looking back and working with folks who are, you know, in college, I work with a few folks who are in college. Um, I My partner teaches middle school, so have exposure to middle schoolers occasionally. And it's just an interesting and really beautiful process to just be like,
0: cool we're awkward at all phases i guess we really are it's just different degrees of awkward at every stage
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh, all right that's a cool kid you could tell the middle school right. cool kid you're like yeah he's cool
0: that was not me no <laughs> oh, me neither me neither um kind of speaking of like learning how to loosen the grip and loosen up a little bit i would also love to talk about making movement fun Because I think maybe, maybe PE aside in general, I think that is something that kids are very good at because as a kid, you're naturally often in a state of play and the older we get, the more we kind of lose sight of play. But I think many of us are reaching this point where we're like, Hey, I actually kind of want to get back to that. Like, what does play look like now? Um, so I'd love to hear about how you make movement fun. If you incorporate aspects of play into your life and what that looks like for you.
1: So I was also a very serious and, um, broody little child. Like I had this strong brow since I came out and (laughs) I've been using it. Um, But I was a very, you know, I always did like cooking. Cooking was always my thing and it's still my thing. I was doing fake cooking in my backyard. Um, But but I think that when we think about play and we think about movement like that, it's really important to think about the aspects of it, like watching a child play. So watching a little kid, especially a toddler, you're like, dang, they are hitting those squats like nobody's business. (laughs) perfect form. Wow. Yes. And I think that we also, it's so important to remember that that form of movement is a form of movement. Like we were just talking about these metrics and these qualitative versus quantitative, but I think that we, we discount those own movements for ourselves. So like I have a basement and that's where my laundry is. And then I drag it up to the, like the second floor and like, no, it's not an official go to the gym workout, but it is like, a form of movement, and when we when it comes to play, uh, my partner is I roll, but he's like great at all the things. It's really annoying. Um, he never played sports growing up. He never did any of this, but he's like, I want to play tennis, or I want to go hiking, or go for a run, or ride a bike, and he just does it. So, really, my grown ass husband is my example of play because he can turn anything into like a fun movement. And I think that it's so admirable. Um, I'm still working on my relationship like that. And for me, it's about taking other classes and trying new things. And that's my form, even though it's still a little bit more formulaic, because I need a little bit of that, you know, guidance. Um, Just a little structure, just a little bit, tiny bit. But I think that also taking a class where I know that I'm going to be bad at it, and like, whatever bad at it means. Um, But like, knowing that I'm a beginner, beginner or knowing that I don't know what I'm doing or knowing that, yeah, I'm like really not great at Zumba. I'm going to do it, but like, I'm not great. It's not going to look good. Please don't record. Um, (laughs) but like, just, just submitting to those things and being willing to try it, I think is really important. And then also like working movement into your life as opposed to like creating a life circulating around your workout. So like last night we were watching TV and I needed to stretch. So I brought my mat over in front of the TV and I rolled around on the floor because it was available to me and it felt good and I felt like I needed it. And I think just getting away again from creating those structured, like places where movement happens and where it doesn't happen and how it should happen and when it should happen if you're dropping those labels
0: then you're going to have a
1: much better time
0: 100%. Well, I appreciate um I appreciate just your honesty around like, hey, play us something I'm still working on because <laughs> willingly doing things that we know we're going to be bad at is hard. Like sometimes it's you have to like kind of get your mind around it and be okay with being a beginner at things as an adult and I've done so many similar things recently and I'm constantly trying to be a beginner at stuff. And as a recovering perfectionist, it's really hard, but there's oh, yeah. so much value in it. Totally worth it.
1: It is, it is seriously like, yeah, that is like our our life's work, right? Is trying folks who are in those places where control just feels so good, or you know, you are working on that perfectionism thing. Yeah. And also I'm extremely competitive. So like you're telling me (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to be bad at it, but I still desperately want to win, even if it's a thing you can't win. Like uh, We'll go bowling. And I'm like, oh, no, because I'm not good at it, but I desperately want to win. Right. Um, (laughs) So really like humbling yourself to those experiences (laughs) and like letting go. And that's why I said I'm with this person who is like, yeah, I know I'm bad at it and I love it. I still want to do it. It's still a lot of fun. And that just blows my mind that there are people out there like that. But if you have those people in your life, cling to them and let them drag you along. <laughs> you could pout on the way home.
0: Those people are definitely not fire signs. It's uh, what I'm hearing because I feel the same way as you. I'm a Leo. You're a Sag. He's an air sign. Yep. That sounds yeah. about right.
1: <laughs> yeah, this just he's just blowing through. He's an air sign. He's just like, Yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> I'm just sitting in the car, mad that I didn't win a game that's unwinnable.
0: <laughs> I get it. I so many activities. I'm like, My competitiveness and desire to win is way up here. My skill level and ability is way down here. How and the are we going to make this work? Right. How and gonna- I just live in the disappointment in between. <laughs>
1: Right. And I think that, and and I think that also, like, just in general, when we're talking about growth, when we're talking about wellness, when we're talking about all of these things, like, we often so much like fear disappointment, but disappointment is hanging out. Like, it's not going anywhere. And so I think it's really about our ability to learn to like deal with it. And that's, I, that's truly my life's work again, um, learning how to, move forward through disappointment and there have been disappointment disappointing times small medium and large and i've survived this long so i think that i think that it's going okay
0: oh my gosh you're preaching a word right now <laughs> this is also uh usually when i'm self-talking to myself each day or journaling each morning of like it is okay that i did bad at here is oh why gosh. i'm okay I know. I sent an
1: email out the other day and like something went wrong that was totally a tech something. Mm. And I was just like, I need to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not that serious, but I'm <laughs> I'm having a crisis about it. And then, you know, of course, I got over it. Um, t- I'm talking about it jokingly now because it was just the most recent thing where I was like, Life is over. Um, and then it wasn't, you know. Yeah. And now we're here talking about it and it's fine and I'm moving forward and I don't think anybody knows, but like <laughs> they know now. Right. But but like I think that we especially again, the perfectionist thing goes in line with all those things. We're like clinging to that control. And when we lose a little bit of it, it can feel extremely disappointing and disorienting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think as adults too, there can sometimes be fear around not only being bad at things or being a beginner, but being a little bit uncoordinated or being a little bit clunky. I think we associate being a beginner with being a child. But, you know, even thinking about what you, We're just saying about your grandmother who's in her 80s, and I have had so many moments where I'm like, "Oh, I'm 30, whatever. It's too late for me to learn how to do this or do that." And I'm like, "If I get to my 80, okay, so for the next 50 years, I'm just not going to learn or try anything new." Right, and you're going to keep saying it's too late, (laughs) right? Like, and I have to logically remind myself of that because we all do it. We all do it, but like, we can always try new things and be bad at something and be a student and be a beginner just for the sake of doing it. Yes.
1: I, I totally believe that. And when it comes to like my own practices and there, there's just some things that, you know, people are going to naturally gravitate towards. I think a lot of people gravitate towards things that they feel good at. Um, (laughs) and that's okay. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I also think when it comes to, like finding out who you are separate from those things those places that you thrive in you have to go to the things that you're uncomfortable doing like art oh my gosh Art of any kind? What is like, what does even, what does art mean? Like, what does that look like? And then I'm with an artist who's just like, well, just do something. Like, what if we all do a thing where we draw something? And I was like, is this an attempt to get me to draw? <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. I don't want, I don't want to feel like judged and critiqued and everything like that. But how will I ever even know? If I could be good at something, if I don't attempt it. And so, yeah, I think, like you said, getting a little bit older, like cross stitch, knitting, all those things. I'm like, that seems appealing. And you get like a sweater out of it if you do it right. Like, maybe I should learn how to do that. I'm like, I don't think my brain would work that way. (laughs) I don't know. No, I should (laughs) probably try it at least once. Like, what happens if I'm really good at it? Right. Or I'm really bad at it, but I do it enough times that I get better. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. You never know
0: until you do it.
1: Yeah. And like you said, it is it is really hard. But when you frame it as like life is both short and, and long, like we have we
0: have the time to pick up these weird little skills. Yeah. I actually my mom is a really big inspiration for me when it comes to that, because she this summer joined like a rowing team. She'd never rowed. I don't know how many boats she'd been on, maybe a couple cruises, but like never anything. And she just decided that she was interested in learning how to row. There was like a local lake that offered rowing classes and they had like little competition at the end of the summer and she just signed up for it and did it and loved it. And she's like in her fifties and learned how to row and has her little paddle or whatever it is. I don't know if she knows a real name. And I was like, that's cool. Okay. If she can do that, then I can maybe take a, a new class and not have a panic attack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. Number one, I love that for her. That's <laughs> hilarious and cute. Um, and again, the family over my aunt who I was referencing, referencing, earlier is like doing hikes now and like doing water aerobics now that she's retired. And I'm just like, what? These people are just so Yeah. They're really leaning into it. And I love that for them. And so, yes, why can't we, I definitely want to take some cooking classes coming up. Nice knife skills. I need better ones. (laughs) Um, And so I think that kind of doing something along those lines where I'm like, I'm very interested in cooking and I like to cook and I like to feed people. So maybe, maybe, you know, that's something somewhere where my artistic style can come through.
0: Yeah. Maybe that is where your artistic skills are like ready to shine. Yeah. Plating. Yeah. That's art. That's a thing. (laughs) Yeah kind of along those lines, I'd love to talk a little bit more about community and kind of finding these types of joy and fun and play and movement in community. I know that you have a community where you teach fitness online, which is a really beautiful space. And I would love for you to tell our listeners more about that. Uh, But I would also just love to hear your thoughts in general about movement in community and how being in positive community can help us heal our relationships with movement.
1: Absolutely. I think number one, the fitness scene in Philly from what I've experienced in it is a really fun place to be. I've met a lot of great people. There are a lot of great fitness professionals in Philadelphia who are in it for the play and in it for the joy. And they love watching people and helping people move their bodies safely. And so I definitely feel like I am lucky to have started a professional fitness journey, if you will. I know Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, my professional fitness career in Philadelphia, because I think that there's just a great little community here that really holds each other and supports each other. Um, And then now my community is online and that place is wild um I love my online fitness community it is a combination of my live classes and recorded classes and folks are able to join it's a month-to-month thing so I've had people you know dropping in and out based on their availability and all of that but the people that I attract are just some of the most interesting and hilarious (laughs) people and they come for me as much as I come for them so um (laughs) I think that, that having that space throughout the pandemic and even living in a, I, I, we can't call this a post pandemic space. We're still in a pandemic space, yes. but yeah. whatever this is the, the, the long, the longer version of it, not that acute first, like two weeks that we were supposed to be in it. Um, I think that having this community surrounding, like movement, but being so much more knowing that someone who you don't really know in real life regularly shows up for the same class as you do and chatting with them in the chat and talking about it afterwards and connecting with each other on social. I think it has been really important for me. And I think it's been really important for a lot of folks because it makes it seem a little bit more real and grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people were missing that. I have people coming from everywhere. I have folks who were like doing full on just gym workouts, people who were in roller derby, people who were taking bar and studios, like all of the different things. And they all collected in this weird little space online with me and (laughs) created some of the best things. And they're constantly teaching me, even though I'm teaching them the actual (laughs) movement, they are teaching me about, you know how to be a better instructor and how to hold space for people. So that community for me has been so, so, so important. And I know my community is not for everyone. That's why I said it's a bunch of weird people in there. They're they're <laughs> they're here for my workouts. Like they're a different kind of person. Um, but I think that there are so many spaces right now that have become more accessible because of the pandemic. And that's something like we talked about creating your own thing, mm-hmm. you know, being this This trailblazer in certain ways. That's one thing that technology combined with our need to do that during the pandemic has resulted in a lot more accessible spaces. And I really, really, really hope that those continue because a lot of people rely heavily on those virtually accessible spaces. Um, And it can change how you feel about movement when you show up that way and you show up with joy and excitement to oh, so-and-so is going to be here or it's Thursday. So I know this person always comes on Thursday and you can do that in real life too. You can do that at the gym by just like acknowledging person on treadmill two down, <laughs> like you always go on the same one. Like there's these little things that make you feel a little bit more grounded in that experience. And um, community is really, really big when it comes to that for me.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we'll make sure that we have a link to your community in the show notes so that people can check it out. If they're interested, they can join, they can work out with you. Um, I think, if people like balanced black girl, I think they would definitely like your, your community. Cause I'm weird too. So we do
1: some balancing. We do, you know, it's bar. So there, there is balancing yes. I am black. So yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. Like, like we're really, it, it's on brand. And yes. so I think that, that a lot of folks should check it out. And yeah, I, I really think that that space has been so amazing for me. I hope that
0: it's been half as amazing for the people who are in it. Amazing. I'm sure it has. I'm so sure it has. Um, I would also love to talk a little bit about safety when it comes to movement, both physically and psychologically. I mean, I think when it comes to psychological safety, a lot of what we were just talking about community plays a big role in it. And I do think that for a lot of people being able to access more workouts at home is probably something that has helped with psychological safety because, was a personal trainer for like 10 years. I mean, a lot of gym spaces are not, not where I would go to cultivate psychological safety, not to say don't go to a gym. I still do, but like, you know, that's maybe not always the vibe. Um, but when it comes to physical safety, or maybe someone who's new to movement is starting to do it at home and they're worried about, you know, staying safe, modifying would I hurt myself. Um, how do you recommend people kind of get started feeling safe, moving where they're at?
1: Yeah. I, I, I actually take safety and body movement super, super seriously um, because I think that it often isn't talked about enough. And I think that a lot of spaces, whether they are in person or online are not offering the modifications and variations that really fit for a wider audience. Um, So I try to do as much of that as I can. And that's what I said, when I talked about learning from my community, that's a lot of what I've learned. I've learned about people's bodies and I've, I've had people after class message me and say, why is this happening? And we explore it together. And then that just fills in another space for me to cue and remind people about, because I don't know, because I only have my body. And so I can't, I can't, teach for all bodies as much as I would want to, because I don't know what's going on in their body. So that brings me to listening to your body, I think is a big thing when it comes to physical safety. And I realize that is not easy for people who have been super disconnected from their body for a long time. So I'm going to acknowledge that listening to your body is very important. And sometimes it takes a long time Hear what your body is actually trying to communicate to you, and sometimes it may be to the point where you've already had a couple of injuries or you've already had a couple of close calls before you know what that is. Um, so when it comes to cultivating like physical safety, I think that um, still working in and planning for rest is very important. If you are unsure, finding a professional to work with, even if it's super temporary, um you know, if you're a trainer that in some spaces, it's like you get one training session when you join a gym. Okay. Even if you don't really necessarily want it, if you don't feel like it is going to be something that is, has a negative impact on your psychological safety, maybe you take it and maybe you just learn how to operate a few of the machines, Mm -hmm. or you learn how to re-rack the weights in a way that is going to keep you from pinching all of your fingers and and dropping a weight on your toe. Um so those are kind of ways that I would do that. And when it comes to working out at home, I think that I think that it is safer to work out at home because I think that I love group fitness and we just talked about how I'm competitive. Because when I'm in group fitness, I feel the energy of the room Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I can do this. Like two down is still doing this i'm still doing this we are in this we are going to get through this class and i think it goes like it's very cyclical in a group fitness class where it's like that right where you're like i'm about to die <laughs> but but the person next to you is still going and so they like motivate you for better or for worse. But now as a grown ass woman, I'm like, <laughs> I'm taking a break. I'm taking good for a sip them. Of water. Yes. Love and this that break is you. good for me. You're, you're killing it. Me in the corner like sitting. <laughs> right. <laughs> um Same. but I think that I think that when you're at home, you're able to regulate that a little bit better. <laughs> We're like yeah. straight up. If you're watching a recorded video, you can press pause. Yes, like, that's a beautiful thing. And then if you're doing a live workout, um, for my Zoom classes in particular, or like my like classes that are live because it's not just on there, um, I like cameras don't have to be on. Like you don't yeah. have to be on. I'm on. You don't have to be on. And so I think that takes a lot of pressure out of people. You could take a break. I've had people's kids run through, you know, there's Mm -hmm. absolutely everything that can happen at home happens. And so giving yourself the space to, to explore movement and take breaks. And I often, I'm a big advocate for taking a break and checking in or saying something nice to yourself while you're working out, because that's often hard for us. Yes. Um, And that will help with both of the, the, the psychological, the mental and emotional part of it when you're taking a break, because again, taking a break is hard for people. So giving people the permission to take a break is a big deal for me and very important. And then physically, like we just did something that you need to take a break. You need to catch your breath or allow your breath to come back, take a sip of water, walk it out, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Um, doesn't have to be just like go hard or go home. And most likely you're at home anyway. So <laughs> let's just let's just do this thing.
0: Right. Exactly. I really appreciate that because I think a lot of the language around fitness and movement for a long time was very kind of no pain, no gain. Oh yeah. We've and all it, been there. <laughs> it shouldn't, actually shouldn't be painful at all. Like there could definitely be some moments of discomfort, but there's a big difference between discomfort and pain. And I think that when people are conditioned to try to go like so hard and like push themselves to the absolute limit, that's when it can almost create kind of an abusive relationship with fitness where you expect yourself to just be like panting on the ground, which every once in a while, I mean, if that feels good to you, like I'm not going to knock it, but it doesn't mean that every single thing you has to do that you do has to deplete you. Um, And for some people, myself included, it takes a lot of like reprogramming to understand like, oh, I can do some movement and feel good after (laughs) and not want to pass out after. And that's a good thing.
1: Uh Uh what you said is so like so true the no pain no gain and I think when you have that um like very black and white thinking it becomes what you're working towards right like Mm -hmm. if if you're not sore then you didn't do enough or if you're not on the floor you didn't do enough and that's and that is where burnout happens because if you're sore and on the floor and panting and depleted the five days a week, you told yourself you're going. And then what you're doing the next two days is like bracing yourself to try to sit down on the toilet because your legs are so sore or, you know, or you're just like very irritable, um, because you're in pain what kind of, what kind of uh, lifestyle change is this? Like, this is not the lifestyle that I'm looking for. Yeah. So you're right. I think that it, it, yeah, it was a whole thing, right? Like that was very much
0: like an like, era. Oh, I feel like the 2010s were very <laughs> into that.
1: Yeah. And I, that was like, when I was, when I was starting out, like that was, that was the time, like, yep. And it was just more like fitness, (laughs) (laughs) like Instagram and fitness. And like, you better live up to those hashtags, baby. Like you better be the hashtag and like use this inspiration board. That's really just like super unhealthy and not at all who you are. Um, So I think that my, my work is definitely trying to reframe how we think of that and, yeah. Bar kicks my butt. It kicks my oh. butt all the time. Like I'm still, I taught a class on Tuesday. I teach these classes. I make the class <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still like, Oh, who's doing this to right. us? This <laughs> <Whose> idea <laughs> was that yeah, whoever programmed, this is like really horrible. <laughs> um, but I think that there can still be those moments. And you said the difference between pain and discomfort. And I'm constantly reinforcing that because, again, we talked about being uncomfortable and being disappointed. Like all those are things that we try to shy away from. But, and then on the other side of that is that we're forcing ourselves into these very painful situations to like conform to what we think we should be doing. So like wh- there's this, there's this opposite pull here that's going on and pain is something where I'm like, is it painful or are you uncomfortable? Is it painful or are you uncomfortable? And what range of uncomfortable? Because I'm uncomfortable showing up places because I'm an (laughs) introvert. Like I show up and it's already a big deal. Like the energy (laughs) to get there is more than the class is more than the interactions. It's everything. Like it is so uncomfortable for me. And so acknowledging that and knowing that that's going to be part of it, it's like, okay, well, we made it through. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are learning to balance that. Like I know showing up to, I, you know, showing up to bar virtually or in real life, I'm going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to have some laughs. I'm going to laugh at myself. <laughs> I'm going to allow myself to take breaks. I'm not going to compare myself to the people next to me on the screen or on the mat. Like, that's where you like can truly find like freedom and intuitive movement and like a connection to yourself that those are the moments that you're like building that relationship that I think a lot of us were searching for originally.
0: Oh, that's like a beautiful mic drop moment. I need to recover for a second from that Um, because that is so beautiful and it's so true it's so true, and that could be for so many types of movement that could be for bar, it could be for walking, it could be for climbing, it could be for so many things of kind of finding that moment of peace with it. Um, oh, it's just beautiful, so thank you <laughs> yeah thanks thanks for being here for my little
1: my little rant on it <laughs> that's that's why we're here. I'm. <laughs> My, my movement soapbox. Yes. (laughs) That's
0: what we're here for. Well, this current series on the podcast is all about reframing our beliefs that we have around certain areas of wellness and what it means to be well in certain spaces. And so, um, I think that, you know, everything that you've shared has been so helpful when it comes to reframing our relationship with movement and exercise and how we can move forward with it in a more empowered way. Yes. Thank you so
1: much. I'm excited to uh, dive into the rest of those reframes because, you know, like you said, we've got that same, like that same fire energy, that same, like (laughs) let's do it and we're doing it right. And there is a right. And, and I think that being gentle and finding that little, those little moments to laugh at yourself and be gentle with yourself are they're literally what makes up the fabric of our lives. So yes. I'm I'm excited to hear more.
0: Yeah, those moments of surrender um, has been the word I've been using for it. I'm actually in yoga teacher training right now, finishing up yoga teacher training currently. And just last night, we had one of our last sessions and the theme was around, uh, the principle of surrender and what that looks like kind of on the mat and in life and off the mat and in your relationships. And so that's also been coming up for me a lot in this conversation is talking about that surrender of, Letting go of the idea of what fit is or what that should be or what we should be able to do uh, and just surrendering to where we are and being okay with where we are. Yeah. And that's, that's where a
1: lot of health can be found in those moments where you, you are accepting where you are in the present and you're, you're working with your body
0: instead of against it. Oh, 100%. And I know we're kind of winding down here, but that also has me thinking about the role of fitness professionals and wellness professionals. And I think for a very long time, we were almost looked to, to be kind of the gurus of, of that journey for people. And I would really love to see the space get to a point where people realize that individually, they are their own gurus and that those of us who are in wellness and fitness, we're here to be guides. Maybe we're more Aquarius baby. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like we're here. We maybe have knowledge of a certain specialty and we can guide you and we can help you do it safely, but you are your own guru. You are the only one. I mean, unless maybe you're pregnant, you are the only one living in your body (laughs) unless you're not, um, but even that is temporary and you are truly your own, your own guru in that way. And we're just here to support. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's,
1: that's part of why I really love what I do because I can be teaching a group fitness class with a hundred people in it. And every single person is going to have a different experience because they're in a different body and they're coming from a different space Mm -hmm. and So it is personal, even though it's group and it is like, it is their own experience and I want them to lean into that. And I want people to be able to have their own experience and come out of it with their own, you know, results, whatever those results are, whatever they were looking for, because everyone's looking for something a little bit different and yeah, individual, individual results
0: from group fitness are like my thing. (laughs) Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, I think different things can bring people to the bar or bring them to the mat. And so even though they may be doing the same movements or the same family of movements and maybe different options or modifications for what works in their body, because they were brought there by something different and have a different experience, it can be wildly different, even though they're doing the same movements. And that like the nerd in me is so blown away by that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's really, it's like an expansive practice. Like they, you know, like everyone's getting a little bit of a different experience and we're just there again, like a gentle guide, like a suggestion. And and I do make a lot of suggestions in class. Like this is just a suggestion. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take it.
0: Mm -hmm. 100%. I know I've said that in yoga where I'm like, if this pose sounds good to you, let's do it together. If you're like, girl, bye hang out in child's pose. That's fine. Up to <laughs> you. You're in charge. I'm just giving you the ideas.
1: Amount of, the <laughs> amount of people in my chats when I'm teaching who are just like, it's a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I've given, I've given so many of them, like, I mean, my entire membership, but I, I love, I love giving people that permission, even though I don't need to, because we don't hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love dropping that on them. Like, you know, you can tell me to like F off basically (laughs) No, like you straight refuse doing another lunge Mm -hmm. straight, refuse doing another pose and take what feels good for you and leave what doesn't without, without feeling any type of way about doing it, except for maybe empowered because it is empowering to listen to your body. Yeah. And to have those
0: boundaries. Yes. Important. So Lauren, how are you currently finding your balance? What is balance looking and feeling like for you these days? Oof. Okay. So
1: I made a commitment to myself that um I would spend a little bit of time not doing more. Yes. <laughs> and it's been it's definitely been a learning experience for me. Um not doing more because so much of my value for myself is derived from how much I'm doing and how much I'm producing or creating. And um and I wanted to shift that because I wanted to become something else. Like I wanted to focus somewhere else. I wanted to put my energy somewhere else. So I'm finding balance by not doing more by Allowing stuff to be exactly how it is right now, without constantly looking for a way to fix it or make it better or upgrade or upgrade or upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm just sitting here and chilling, and that's how I'm finding balance. Even though it has been, you know, I've gotten dragged a couple times by my own by my own commitment to this, <laughs> but I think that it's been a really beautiful um, learning experience so far and have a little bit, you know, have a little bit
0: more clarity on it. Oh, I love that. I love that for you. I think that when you are someone who has a lot of commitments and can be a bit of a a pusher when it comes to yourself, having periods where you really give yourself that spaciousness and you sit in it is such an amazing gift to yourself.
1: Yeah. It's been a, a, it's been one of the quietest times of my life and I've never felt this way. (laughs) I've never felt like I didn't have this huge target that I'm running towards. I just, maybe there's still targets. Um, I just slowed down a little bit and realized that like things were moving too fast. Things were feeling off balance. Mm -hmm. And so to find my balance, I just had to pull back and, yeah, I'm still working on it. Still a work in progress for sure, but it has been a reframe for me completely.
0: That's amazing, though. I think that that is going to be so helpful for you in the long run. I think that's something that's going to kind of pay dividends. Bring it, bring it full circle back to our uh, finance talk at the beginning.
1: <laughs> Listen, we can always bring it back. Just bring it back. Yeah, I I think that. It was scary. And I think that that's something that if I, if that's something that you're afraid of, if you're afraid of maybe the financial impact of slowing down, which is totally valid, um, or just like you're afraid what will happen in your head if you get a little bit quiet, because that's really where a lot of my fear was coming from. Um, it's okay to do it and continually be annoyed and afraid with yourself because you're going to learn. Yeah. It's
0: it's that pain versus discomfort. hmm
1: hmm And
0: it's been uncomfortable, but I feel transformed. Ugh, I love it. Well, I'm super excited to see what 2022 has in store for you with the ah! spaciousness.
1: <laughs> Can you believe it? Anyway,
0: <laughs> time isn't real. I don't know. I don't know what time is it's or been, how it works.
1: It's been, it's been a ride. It's been a ride.
0: Right. I still can't fully wrap my head around time and how it's 2022. And I still keep referring to 2019 as last year. Oh, yeah. It, it was not. But in no. my brain, it, it was. And so
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, some work to do there.
1: That's why That's why I'm saying like me choosing to slow down for a couple months in the grand scheme of things, like what is a couple months anymore? <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it might've
0: been three years. Who knows? <laughs> the way time's been moving these days, honestly. Absolutely. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing just your wisdom and amazingness with us. So how can our audience keep in touch with you?
1: Yes. Um. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be part of the Balanced Black Girl Podcast <laughs> Club now.
0: Um, <laughs> Welcome.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, as uh, I have been taking a break, but I am still on Instagram. I'm still there. You can come look at my face if you want. Uh. So it's at Lauren Lavelle Fitness on Instagram, and then very similarly at Lauren Lavelle Fit on TikTok if you want to come see me really just trying my best to create content on TikTok okay okay i really like your TikToks though thank you it's just been hard because again it's like a it's it's a learning curve and a discomfort thing of like being on camera which is makes no sense because i've been teaching virtual for 2 years but okay um, and then if you want to come join me on my membership There will be a link, but it's level up fitness. It's bar, it's hit, it's strength. It's us laughing at me, mostly me. Um, It's people showing me pictures of their cats while they're working out, like all those things. Um, So if that interests you, that is also a way to engage with me. And that's just kind of like a smaller social platform. So it's a little bit more intimate for those people who are into that.
0: Amazing. Well, we will have all of your information, socials and links to the membership in the show notes to make it super easy for people to find you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciated this conversation. It has me feeling more invigorated to have fun with movement again. Um, so thank you for being here.
1: Yay. Thank you for having me.
0: What I really appreciate about Lauren and about that conversation and just how she shows up in everything that she does is her honesty and her vulnerability and her willingness to say, hey, I don't know it all and that's okay, or I'm still working on this too and let's work on it together. That's part of why I really love following her work and appreciate the way that she shows up and I hope you appreciate it as well. As we talked about in the episode, Lauren has an incredible fitness membership, so we will leave a link to her membership in the show notes so that you can check it out if you are looking for a safe, supportive space to get your movement on in this new year. And if you are taking part in the reframing, the reset challenge we have got an activity for you i have a special journal that is within the reframing the reset dashboard that you can download at balanceblackgirl.com slash reset to start creating a movement plan that works for you and just some prompts to help you start thinking about how you can improve your relationship with movement Huge thanks to Lauren to being our guest. Huge thanks to you for tuning in and listening. And I also have to thank our amazing sponsors who make this podcast possible. Also check out the show notes for more information about our sponsors and for special discount codes. Make sure you're subscribed for next week's episode. You do not want to miss it. We are talking to Raven Rose all about reframing our menstrual cycles. We're talking about herbalism, ancestral practices, womb healing. It is such a powerful episode that you don't want to miss. So I will see you next week.